Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Okay, Tracy, now, here's a thing, unless you've been living under a rock for the last nine months, um, you won't have failed to notice that there's a very big, significant event happening this weekend, which is, of course... Yeah, um, Focus Wales is happening. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to that, aren't you? I am. I'm going to see the coral, yes. Ah, there we go. There we go. Um, Well, I was thinking a little bit more in line of the, the coronation. Ah, right. Okay, that little thing. That little thing. I saw some footage last night of um, them practising at night, the marching and everything, which was really interesting. It felt like, oh, this... Because, of course, they rehearse all sorts of things like the coronation, funerals, all sorts of things with the royals, don't they, and the bands and everything. So um, that was quite interesting. Anyway, the coronation's on Saturday. Um, Whatever you think of the coronation, whether you're interested or not in the royal family you will be benefiting from a bank holiday on Monday. Of course, I won't turn down the bank holiday. No, no, and nor will many people. So I started wondering, okay, so what, like, how do we decide what's a bank holiday and what is a bank holiday? Very good question. Yeah, so I've always thought, well, it'll be a day when the banks aren't open and you just accept it as that. Um, But... Actually, it's a bit more than that. And we haven't always had bank holidays. So we started doing a little bit of a scoot around. We've basically had long weekends for about 150 years. There was a guy called Sir John Lubbock who introduced the Bank Holidays Act. Okay. In 1871. Lubbock. Lubbock. Sir John Lubbock. And for a time, um, they were called St Lubbock's Days. Oh, I think that sounds very exciting. It does, doesn't it? So he was a liberal uh, politician and he was a banker. (laughs) He wanted an extra holiday for himself. So there's a clause that says under the Act, no person was compelled to make any payment or to do any act upon a bank holiday, which he would not be compelled to do or make on Christmas Day or Good Friday. Um, And the making of a payment or the doing of an act on the following day was equivalent to doing it on the holiday. So basically, there wouldn't be any penalty if you didn't pay on a bank holiday, essentially. So there's a couple of things there. Christmas Day, yeah, okay. Good Friday, okay. Um, We get Easter Monday, don't we? Right, so why? We all know about Christmas Day. What about Boxing Day? So as I read on further, there's all sorts of information. But basically, it all started with the Bank of England, who before the 1871 Bank Holidays Act, which I just think it's fantastic that there's an act called the Bank Holidays Act. um, They set themselves up um, quite a few uh, holidays. They had about 40. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And they were to celebrate royal events, Christian festivals, saints days. Um, So... So, yeah, they're around 40. Then in 1830, it got trimmed down to 18. And then in 1834, something very radical happened that they scaled it down to just four. So so I think somebody got a bit gung-ho 
Um, in an average year, we're now on eight, aren't we? But we last year we had a couple of spares, didn't we, with the Jubilee and then the death of the Queen. Yes. Yeah, so and we went up got... to ten last year, didn't we? We got nine this year. Yeah. And didn't we have one? Did we have one when uh, William and Kate got married? No, I don't remember that. I think we had a Friday. I don't know. Anyway. I, I believe anyway. I was probably... Um, self-employed at that point and yeah didn't notice yeah well yeah there's a bit of that so anyway so then there's talk that after the industrial revolution factory shutdowns started so you know famously you know the potteries and you know the you know all the heavy industry organizations would close and they'd stop production um those have sort of disappeared now but people started wanting a holiday like local holidays, um, but uh, which would which were just set. But the um, things sort of moved on a pace, and so the 1871 Bank Holidays Bill started off that um, the first bank holidays were Easter Monday, Whit Monday, the first Monday in August, the first Monday in August, and Boxing Day. Um, so. But then any additional date could be proclaimed a bank holiday. So that would come into play a bit like the coronation where we've got a bank holiday. Yeah. Um, So anyway, people got really gung-ho about this. So in the 1960s, there was a period of time when um, everybody basically went to the coast, Margate and Brighton, because flying wasn't wasn't really done, and they would essentially trash in the place. (laughs) So um, so it was identified that actually giving millions of people the same time off at work is, is a bit of a challenge. And we see that with the traffic and everything. Um, so, yeah, so I, 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 I didn't really know where they came from. Um, New Year's Day. OK, um, fine. Um, the 2nd of January is a bank holiday in Scotland. St. Patrick's Day. Ireland only, uh, Good Friday, Easter Monday, May Day Bank Holiday and the Spring Bank Holiday. But then it was later that the August Bank Holiday was moved to the last Monday. Yeah. The mon- yeah at the end of August. Um, and that was brought about in, um, in 1965 when Edward Heath, who was the then president of the Board of Trade, changed it to the last weekend in August in a bid to increase trade in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. But I don't know how that would... Why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it would do that, having it in the first Monday or the last Monday. Um, but, yeah, so there's much more to this bank holiday lark um, than we than we first thought of. And, <coughs> and, of course, Boxing Day, we have bank holiday in England and Wales and Northern Ireland... But Scotland didn't take that as a bank holiday until 1971. So quite a lot of changes have happened in our lifetime. Um, And there is that whole flexibility. But I don't know what needs to happen. I suppose if the king says I want to award a bank holiday, pretty much it's going to happen. But I don't know who decides these things, who actually decides these things. It sounds like if it was started with the Bank Holiday Act in 1871... You remember it, do you, Heather? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I just just about I remember I remember studying it in school as it was happening. Yes. <laughs> no, so I imagine if it, it has to be a, an act of parliament, does it? Or is that for every single extra one? Or maybe they rush well, it through if it's for. Well, I don't know, because it does seem a little bit like after that act, there was a bit of chopping and changing, but they haven't really talked about, um, you know, what the what the process is i'm sure there is a process um and just going back to the factory shutdowns they existed before paid holiday became a thing for employees oh so they they had two weeks forced holiday with no pay yeah yeah and so then so that that came in that people got paid leave standardized school holidays and a general downturn in manufacturing but i'm old enough to remember when um during fact, there would be a, the, the two week shutdown period and living in Shrewsbury, the traffic that was just coming from the M54 over to Wales was just like the whole of Birmingham, the whole of Wolverhampton. Yeah, we, we used to have the potters holidays in Stoke. Right. So the pot banks would close down because, you, you know, you'd um, you'd have to have scheduled maintenance for them. So that's when they switch off the kilns. Right. So okay. the potters fortnight. And uh, we'd, we'd travel to North Wales from Stoke. Right, there you go. So, yeah, Wales, the Welsh coast was probably, well, was the nearest, because if you were going the other way, it would take you longer to get to the coast, wouldn't it? So going yeah. east would be a challenge. Yeah, so there still, you go. Still does. Mon- yeah, Monday. So we got three bank holidays in May, and one of them is an extra one. Um, so I thought I'd find out a bit more about yeah. why it's even a thing. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm I'm looking for I like Easter. That's my best bank holiday. Because you get, you get four, days. four day weeks. And as it's um it's not the same as when we had the Jubilee bank holiday, because that was a Thursday and Friday. It felt wrong. But the Friday is like an extra Saturday, and the yeah. Monday is like an extra Sunday. So it's a two Saturday, two Sunday weekend. Okay. It's okay. my fave, yeah. Okay, I mean, the other thing is that on bank holidays, obviously shops didn't used to open. So now, apart from Christmas Day and Easter Sunday, um, the shops do open, a lot of shops do open, don't they? In fact, even on Christmas Day, I think our local... The small shops can open, can't they? The the small corner shops can open. Whereas I remember as a kid, no shops were open on a Sunday and nor would they be open on a bank holiday Monday. No, like they were pretty dull when we, we were a kid, weren't they? We used to hate them. Yes. <laughs> I quite like I a hate... quiet Sunday now, but yeah, as a kid. Oh, when you're a kid, Sunday's the worst day. Yeah. Everybody would have a sleep. I know. Horrible. <laughs> I love a sleep now. I know, that's good. We are. <laughs> we are now, grown-ups. Here's the thing. This is my thing. Um, over this weekend, over this bank holiday weekend, I binge watched a television program and I binge read a book. You don't often call it binge reading a book, do you? No, no. No, I binge watching, haven't we? But this isn't about yeah. binge watching. We've been there, done that. This is a book that I read. I really enjoyed it. And it says on the back of a, or it says everywhere, basically, that it's being adapted by Apple TV into a TV series. Okay. So How do you feel me. about that? Sorry? How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, 
I, I that was my whole thing for tonight is I really, really enjoyed the book. And I was thinking, I don't know what I think about them adapting it to a TV programme. And I was like, okay, how would you do that? And, you know, I've been on a writing course. And I write, and we've covered things like writing for TV, writing for film. And so my, my little brain was like, oh, what would you do there? But I, I didn't come up with the answers because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I've done a very yes. short course and I realised that television is the hardest. Television's really mm-hmm. tough, I think. Um, but So I went to have a, a look and see who they've cast in the TV show. And immediately I was like, oh, no, 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 that's not who I've got in my head. So it's like, oh, I'm, will I watch the TV programme then? So the book is Lessons in Chemistry, by the way. That's okay. highly recommended. I love the book. Who's, um, who's the lead character? Is it male, female? Female, yeah. I think okay. it's is it Brie Larson. Okay. That played Captain. Oh, you're not going to know who played Captain Marvel, are you? Um, no. I think it's Brie Larson um, is the main character. Yeah. So I'm I'm a bit intrigued. They don't say who the dog is either because the dog is quite a big character. They've got to so get the dog. The book, in, in the book, is the lead character. What does the lead character look like in your head? Well, for a start, she had brown hair in my head. But attractive and uh, she's a very intelligent woman, incredibly intelligent chemist, but also very pretty as well. Okay. But I'd made her brunette in my head. Yeah. So Brie Larson is blonde, I believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's all of those things. It just got me to thinking that should you watch a film after reading a book or watch a TV series? after watching reading a book and also what about the other way round can you watch a film and then enjoy reading the book afterwards so and let me give you an example of where i've done it the other way round and this is from many many years ago and it's it was a radio play i think first then it was i saw it on tv um and then i read the book and then many years later, a film was made about it. And this is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So in my head, all the characters from the TV series are as I saw on the TV series. So yeah. when I read the book, all the characters looked like and sounded like what I'd seen yeah. on the TV series. Yeah. So when they made the film, and because I'd read the book and seen the TV series, they didn't look like them, so I was going to get over that. But then the film, for obvious reasons didn't have all of the detail of the book. So I just felt like the film lost out twice there (laughs) because the the film probably was very good if you'd not seen the TV series or read the book at all. Yeah, I think I've seen the film. I remember the TV series being on and it's really not my sort of thing. I didn't think you might have done that. So you wouldn't have done the TV series, the book and the film, would you? No, but I think I've seen the film. Um. I remember a little bit of the series. I haven't read the book and I did see the film because was, um, who was the lead actor in it? Martin? Freeman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I have seen the film. Yes, I remember that much. But it's all, because it's all sort of... Sci-fi. It's all nonsense to me. Yeah. Anyway, that isn't the point. I'm not trying to sell Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy to you. But it is just that 
can you easily transition from book to film or book to TV? Or is it better to watch the film and then read the book? Or will you bother reading the book if you already know how it pans out? So if you've seen the film, why go into the detail of the book? Yeah, if I'd seen a film, it's highly unlikely I would read the book. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good at reading books twice. No, I'm not interested once I I know how it pans out. Yeah, or watching films twice. Okay. So then I did a little bit of... um, a little bit of searching, and it reminded me about um, Screen Adaptation Awards. So I think that film that you talked about recently that um, won an Oscar, was that for a, a Best Screen Adaptation? Was that uh, Women Talking? Women, women yeah. Talking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that won the Oscar, didn't it, this year for Best Adapted Screenplay? So um, I had a look and I've found a list of BAFTA award winners. So BAFTA, um, Best Adapted Screenplay for the BAFTAs. Um, The list I found is quite long, but I thought I'd whiz through and see uh, if there's any that you recognise. So um, All Quiet on the Western Front won quite a few awards, didn't it? Yes. Was that a remake? So this is based on a book by Eric Maria Remark. Um, there, ha- there has been a film of it sounds before. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But I'm not, yeah. I'm not totally sure. I think so. Um, and Coda, that that was um, nominated for Oscars as well last year. Um, and that's about the um, uh, the child of deaf adults. We've talked about that previously on the show as well. So that one. Yeah, okay. Year for Best okay. Adapted Screenplay, and that was based on a French, um, or was it Belgian? I'm not sure. Uh, Victor Bedos wrote La Famille Beye, um, and that that was an adapted screenplay. The, um, let's have a look. There's some others you will recognise here. Little Women, obviously, oh, yeah. Louisa May Olcott. That yeah. one with the BAFTA um, for Greta Gerwig. She was also the director, I think, for that, wasn't she? And then, did you know Jojo Rabbit? So uh, Taika Waititi adapted the screenplay, and that was based on a book. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? No, is it good? It's really um, interesting. So (laughs) the book is called Caging Skies. Um, It's by Christian Lunens, I think. And it's about um, a boy, Jojo, or Johannes, um, and he's a member of Hitler Youth. And he finds out that his mother is hiding Jews in their house. And it's a very strange thing, but he seems to have um, an imaginary friend who is Hitler. Oh, okay. It's a very, it it seems to like walk on a bit of a tightrope here. It's a drama comedy. Very unusual. Really? Gosh, I can't think of anything funny that involves Hitler. No. Um, and what Taika Waititi, um, do you know Taika? Because you don't watch any Marvel or anything like that. No. So, no. no. Um, he plays Hitler. Um, very, very peculiar concept for a film, but interestingly, it did uh, did work for me. Right. Uh, talking of um, powerful men, the death of Stalin. That was a. Mm-hmm. Green uh, adaptation, 
um, from a book by Fabian Nuri and Thierry Robin called The Death of Stalin. Let me see if there's was, any... Was that a factual yes. account or was it fictionized? The Death of Stalin. It was a yeah. black comedy, political yeah. satire. Okay. A little unusual. Again, a little bit like Jojo Rabbit. It's like, it's comedy about Stalin? Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, and that was Armando Iannucci was one of the screenwriters on that one. Oh, so he's nice excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hidden Figures. That was a brilliant film. Um, was that about the... Nominated for BAFTA. About the ladies who were working on the moon landing? or Yeah, the mathematicians at NASA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was... Um, written by a lady called Margot Lee Shetterly. So that was based on a book. Um, let me see some others. Uh, Paddington, of course. Paddington. Paddington. That book by Michael Bond, or maybe series of books, the screenplay was um, by Paul King. So, okay. That was, that was not of level 42. Paul King. Is that Paul King? No, I think he's a, he's a writer and director. Oh. Specialises in comedy, apparently. Well, the thing with Paul Paddington... King is that he's um, Paul King is also wasn't he just King? Oh, oh love! Oh, I don't know. Oh, God! Oh. Well, that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street was based on a book called The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Ah, Philomena, you'll re- remember that one. Oh, yes. Yeah, Steve yeah. Coogan and Jeff Pope wrote the screenplay for that. But it was based on a book by Martin Sixsmith called The Lost Child of Philomena Lee. That was excellent. That yeah. was excellent. And um, Steve Coogan played the... Um, the journalist. Yeah. The male, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Now, this is a book I've read, and I watched the film and I, I did find it good so actually that reminded me life of pi by yan martel okay and i was able to watch the film as well it was very well done wasn't the um the cinematography meant to be amazing in that yeah well it was yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> it's about a guy who's stranded on a boat with a tiger, tiger. yeah so you've got to get that right otherwise you look like you're in Rainbow or something instead, a bungle. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Toy Story 3 um, and, and um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, uh, Educating Rita. I think Educating Rita was actually a stage play adapted to I think it was. film, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was a book, that one. Um, And then I I had a quick look uh, for books that are better than their movie adaptations. I found a little list on BuzzFeed. Um, The Lovely Bones by Alice Seabold. Have you read that one? No, no. Okay, yeah. Don't bother watching the film because the book was excellent. Okay. Uh, Very clever, um, really intelligent book. The film was nowhere near. Um, the Devil Wears Prada, apparently. Uh, oh, I've watched uh, half of that film. Okay. On uh, a flight. I, I thought the plot was a bit weak, and then it wasn't until later that I realised that the TV in the screen, the TV in the seat in front of me was faulty, and it had just completely missed out 
a massive chunk of the film. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the Lord of the Rings, it says here, the book is better than the film, but I have to be honest and say that the book's way too heavy for me. And I have we watched all of the films. Yeah, we had to read Tolkien at school and... Um, oh, God. No, no, put me off. Um, let me see what else. The Da Vinci Code. I haven't seen the film. No. I have read the book and I enjoyed that. The Girl on the Train, Paul the Hawkins. I yeah. think I've seen the film. The book's better, is it? Yeah. Oh, and The Hunger Games. I thought the film was dreadful. Um, it seemed really shallow compared to the books. They're, they're books written for teenagers, so yeah. they're, but they're, they're not like as shallow as the film. But you have to squeeze a lot into a film. I mean, it is, it's quite tough, really, I think, to to get everything that everybody wants. That's the key, isn't it? It's, well, you have to think about what you leave out. Yeah. And, you know, so is this bit absolutely pivotal to everybody who's read the book or can we discard it? I mean, they must literally frame by frame decide, you know, those pages, we'll skip over that. Or, But, but the other thing I think in a film is that if – if a guy walks into a room and he's, you know, six foot one and he's smoking a cigar and everything, you've got to write all of that, whereas actually just one image will show you that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, yeah, tra- translating it. Yeah. I mean, what I recognised when I was doing that writing course is, never mind from the book, like there's massive differences between film, TV, stage and radio. They're just... You can't just put the same play on all four platforms. So obviously a book is going to be very different as well because the way you interpret the story is different in in all of those uh, different media, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Bridget Jones's Diary, controversially. I thought the films were nice. I have read the books as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like them both. But Um, to be honest, I think the time when I read the book, to read Bridget, Bridget Jones' diary now as a woman who's 56, it wouldn't yeah. be quite the same as watching it as a woman who was in her 20s, 30s, whatever it was. Yeah. So even the film would, wouldn't really do it now. No. Now, this one I can agree with, The Time Traveller's Wife uh, by Audrey Niffenegger. Um, I, I really enjoyed the book, and I thought the, the film was just me. Okay. Oh. What wasn't really, you know, um, as deep as the book. The deep really got me thinking. Um, right. Apparently, Carrie is better as a book, according to this. I don't like okay. horror at all. Um, so. I imagine the pictures that you can paint inside your dark mind will be your version of... Yeah, absolutely. More. I think when, when I was studying the four different... Um, platforms for a story i think we all agreed in the consensus that if you can get it right on radio that's going to be far more scary than tv or film because the picture like you say the pictures you paint um paint in your head are way worse than anybody else yeah yeah. oh i've just been told by zoom that we're running out of time we should have gone on your professional platform 
We have nine minutes and 45 seconds. It probably means we've been talking too long. So one more article to go through. And this one was 13 adaptations that are better than the books they're based on. Okay. So let's see if you, um, well, if you've read any of them um, or seen the films. All the President's Men? No. That one? No, that's, um, it's got quite a few famous faces in. I have seen the film. The Handmaiden. I've not seen the film, but I have read the book here. So The Handmaiden is um, by directed by Park Chan-wook, and it's based on Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. You probably recognise. Okay, so... So, so Fingersmith seen... is based in Victorian England. Right. And um, The Handmaiden is transposed to the 1930s in colonial Korea. So it's quite different, isn't it? Very, very. <laughs> very different concept. Apparently the Maltese Falcon, the film is better than the book. The Maltese Falcon was from 1941. Uh, let me scroll through a few of these. Oh, American Gods, another another TV series you will not be interested in. But I, I love all work by Neil Gaiman, and I've, I've read a lot of his work. But the TV adaptation of American Gods was really, really good. I enjoyed it. Did he write some much. of the Doctor Who stuff? He probably has written some, yeah. Yeah. He, he's yeah. done a lot of um a lot of things that I've read. But right. just this this um telling of this Neil Gaiman story was oh yeah, spot on, okay. really clever. Let me whiz through quickly. Jaws, apparently. Okay. Uh, the film was better than the book. And it's all, all <laughs> in the um the work and the um the way that they got that onto a screen, it's just very clever. It still scares me now, Jaws. <laughs> but, but you see, like the Maltese Falcon and Jaws, if we think about what they had at their disposal in those days, it, there'd also be the thrill of you know film, going to see film in the 1940s or 50s. You wouldn't have a TV at home with fantastic quality and fantastic... So the relative impact. Is going to be different anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or then The Godfather, 1972 film by uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, apparently yeah. based on the book by Mario Puzzo from 1969. Yeah. Um, let's have a look what else is there. Die Hard. Now, Die Hard's a classic. Come on. Um, so that's based on a, a book by Roderick Thorpe from 1979 called Nothing Lasts Forever. It is a good book, but apparently just not as good as the John McClane play, played by Bruce Willis film. Die Hard 1, Die Hard 27, Die Hard 28. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about all the sequels, but Die Hard with uh, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. It just doesn't get much better than that, does it? Anything with Alan Rickman in is going to be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Apart from Love Actually, where he's a love cheat and he makes Emma Thompson cry. Yes, that and we can never forget me. that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, and, and just one mention for the word bifurcate, which is a, a word that we mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago. Bifurcation, if you remember. Do you remember what that means? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> it means, it means to, a, a process to split into and go into two opposite directions or two directions. Ah, uh, yes. Necessarily opposite. Um, and uh, the only reason I mention this is an article in illogicalscripts.com uh, reading books versus watching movies. 
What should you prefer and why? And I just noticed as we're skimming through it, this paragraph says, sometimes people bifurcate themselves and prefer to read before watching movies, or some prefer otherwise. So I'm glad I knew what bifurcate meant. <laughs> oh. Be careful Sounds you painful, don't bifurcate though, it? yourself. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm if not it's, sure it's illegal. I'm not sure it's legal. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we've we clearly talked for way too long because Zoom's telling us to shut up. So uh, at that point, uh, I guess we should shut up, really. Now Here's a Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, ever. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air.